0: Uh, Let me pray, and then I want us to get into the word. While I'm praying, I'll ask you one more time to make sure you have liked the broadcast. I'll ask you one more time to make sure you have shared the broadcast. I'll ask you one more time to get ready, to get your ears ready to hear what thus saith the Lord. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to come and to share your word. Father, we thank you that on this morning, we are declaring that ears would be open and that minds would be receptive. Father, I thank you for every listener on this broadcast that you allow something to be said or done today that will answer a burning question that they have. Let allow Holy Spirit to speak to them, to give them revelation and insight about the things that they need for their life. Father, as we begin to discuss growing into sonship, I ask that you would give each of us a burning desire to become closer and closer to you in relationship, that we would grow from being slaves to children into sons. And Father, we thank you that as we believe that you will do that for us, we give you praise in advance. We thank you for it. We give you honor. We magnify your name. We bless you, and we thank you that the things we ask in prayer, we receive them as done right now in your son Jesus name. Amen, amen, and amen. Y'all ready for the word? Amen. Listen, we used to always say this at church. I would say, hey, I am anointed to teach. And then the people would say, I am anointed to receive. And so this morning, I'm telling you, I'm anointed to teach this message. And I believe with everything in me that you are anointed to receive. Listen, we have spent the last, uh, this will be our fifth week talking about growing into sonship, what it means to be a son of God, what it means to grow that we can call, that we don't just call ourselves sons, but Holy Spirit confirms for us that we are sons of God. Listen, the first thing I want you to do this morning is I want you to type in the comment section and I want you to type this say, I am growing and becoming. I am growing and becoming. That's going to be our theme for today, that we are growing and we are becoming. What are we growing in? We are growing into maturity. We are growing into um, to sons who obey their father, and we are becoming more and more like Christ. We are becoming more and more like Christ. So, what I want to do with today's message, because this is this may be our final teaching. Uh, in this particular series about sonship. Obviously, as you know, you can never exhaust the teaching of sonship. God can always show you more. But at some point we kind of wrap up a series teaching uh, and then we start to connect it with something else. And so what I wanna do on this particular lesson, and we may come back and teach some more depending on what Holy Spirit instructs us to do. But what we're going to do today is I wanna kind of synthesize uh, some of the major points that we've talked about Uh, in the last five weeks. And then at the end, I wanna spend a little time uh, on something that I felt like I kind of, I didn't skip over, but I just kind of mentioned it last week. And that's this idea about being receptive uh, and responsive uh, to Holy Spirit. And So uh, let's jump into this. I wanna begin with Romans chapter eight, verse 14 and 15. It's been our foundational scripture. Uh, You should know this by now. It says, so as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It says, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we get to cry, Abba, Father. Now, this is important because he says in verse 14, for as many as are led by the spirit of God. And so one of the things that we tell you all the time that we value in this ministry is you as an individual being able to hear from God. One of the most important things that you can have in your disposal as a uh, child of God is the ability to hear him for yourself. It's great to ask me what I think God is saying. It's great to ask your friends. The Bible says in the multitude of counsel, there is wisdom or there is wisdom in the multitude of counsel, you know. But there's nothing better than you for yourself being able to hear from the father. Why? Because he says, for as many as are led by the spirit, then those are the ones who get called the sons of God. He said, and when you are being led by the spirit of God, the great thing about that is that you do not receive the spirit of bondage to fear again. In other words, he says you don't receive this uh, adoption or this authority that would come into your life that would give you the opportunity to fear at every occasion. He says, no, that's not what you've been given. What you've been given, what you have received is a different spirit of adoption. The spirit of adoption you have received comes from the father and it allows you to cry out to him, Abba father to say, he belongs to me, I belong to him so that in any situation you are facing, you have an answer. Amen. And so then we started the very first series of this teaching talking about the five reasons that we thought sonship was such an important topic uh, to be taught about. Number one, just as a refresher, we said we wanted to make sure that we build a foundation of biblical truth regarding our identity as sons of God. We wanted to build a foundation of biblical truth regarding our identity as the sons of God. What we wanted to do was to knock down this idea that just because you're born again, that that makes you a son of God. We've heard lots of people say that, and we've shown you in scripture that that that's not true. That what happens is we start off as a creation of God. And then when we get born again, which is something that's necessary in this sonship journey, we become children of God. But then when we begin to grow into maturity in the same way that the expectation is is for our own children to eventually grow into maturity so that they can handle certain things on their own, that's how God expects us to grow into sonship. So number one was to build a foundation of biblical truth regarding our identity as sons of God. Number two. We said we wanted to establish a framework for understanding how growth occurs in the kingdom of God. We've talked a lot about this. Training is necessary. If you're going to grow into a child of God, you have to be willing to be trained. You have to have what we call a growth mindset as opposed to a fixed mindset. You have to be able to and willing to hear Holy Spirit even about the most minute and mundane things in your life, because everything he tells us is taking us through a path of growing into sonship. We said number three, we wanted to provoke you or provoke us collectively to accept responsibility for our growth into into sonship. Listen, we can't just sit around and wait and say, "God, I want you to grow me into sonship." That's not how it works. You have to have a, you have to be an active participant. Pastor Shawn used to say this phrase all the time, and she probably still does. Uh, She says, you have to participate in what? Some of you've heard this before, your own rescue. If I throw you a rope, you gotta grab it. If I throw you the rope, before I can pull you back to the boat, you at least gotta grab the rope. God is saying to us, listen, I have made some tools available to you so that you can grow at the rate that you desire. You can grow slow or you can grow fast. It's all up to you. But you have some personal responsibility for your growth. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I have responsibility for my spiritual growth. I have responsibility for my spiritual growth. Tell your other neighbor, I have responsibility for my own spiritual growth. Amen. And then number four, we said the fourth thing we wanted to make sure that we established was that you to challenge us to engage Holy Spirit, to learn our identity and our kingdom assignment. We wanted to know, Holy Spirit, I am a son of God. What's my assignment in the kingdom? because every son has an assignment. And while I might look at somebody else's assignment and may say, man, that looks like a great assignment. I wanna know what mine is because nobody can feel the assignment God gave for me but me. And I need to do it the best of my ability. I say all the time that if I could sing like Pastor Chris, y'all couldn't stand me. I would just sing. You asked me a question. I would sing everything you asked me. I would never just speak in a regular tone, but God didn't give me that as part of my assignment. So I have to be able to appreciate her for what she can do, but also understand that I need to embrace my assignment. And then number five, the fifth thing we said is that we wanted to reveal to you and we want to reveal to us collectively the importance of our individual sonship in the bigger plans of God. What do I mean by that? You growing into sonship, you growing and becoming the person God called you to be. It doesn't just impact your life it impacts the life of everybody around you. And not just everybody around you, but everybody who's around them. And it keeps going exponentially. And so we wanted you to have an an awakening to know that this growing into sonship is not just so you can get a new house. It's not just so you can get a new car. It's not just so you can go on vacation. Growing into sonship is about what it does for the entire body of Christ. And you, whether you realize it or not, play a significant role in that. We said last week that sonship does not happen overnight and it does not happen without a concerted effort on behalf of the child of God. You have a personal responsibility in growing into sonship. It is important that you understand that when you get born again, yes, your spirit man becomes perfect in that instant. But you have a you have a soul and that soul consists of your mind, your will, your imaginations, your emotion and your intellect. And you have to understand that that part of you doesn't get radically changed just because you accept Christ into your life. Your spirit, man, that one third part of you becomes brand spanking new. The Bible says it becomes something that it never was before. You become a brand new creature, a, a create creation, a brand new creature in Christ. However, you still know all that other junk you knew. Uh, I used example last week about the, the ball of Coca-Cola. Listen, if you're a ball of Coca-Cola and you get born again, it's like taking that glass of Coca-Cola and putting it in a brand new big bowl. Yes, you're in this new container. You're in this new space, but you're still full of junk. And so you've got to get the word to flow into your life so much and so consistently that it washes out all of that Coca-Cola. It washes out all of that junk, all of that low-level thinking, all of that depression, all of that sickness, all of that word all of that lack of self control it gets washed out of your life because you have to understand and we said this last week salvation happens instantaneously but sanctification is a continual habit i need you to not forget that salvation happens instantaneously but your sanctification the bible says you have to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling your sanctification is a continual process. In other words, I can't just give up on it. I can't be like, well, okay, I'm saved and then just go live like I've been living. No, I have to keep working. I have to engage in what I call professional development, godly professional development that develops my soul into the image of Christ. Amen. And then we started walking through the process, what I call the process of sonship. And number one, we said the process of sonship always starts with number one, you must be born again. You must be born again. There is no other way to sonship. There is no other way to the father. There is no uh, roundabout to get there some other way. It is a straight path and it is through Jesus Christ. We said that the original purpose of man was to have dominion on the entire earth. However, we know that sin calls a separation between God and man, and as a result of man's disobedience, God's spirit could no longer dwell in mankind. But Jesus fixed it, praise God. Jesus came and fixed what Adam messed up. So Jesus came and when he died on the cross, when he, when he went to hell, he stripped the enemy of all of his power, he brought all of that power back and he gave that kingdom dominion to us. We know that what, what Jesus did is he reestablished the kingdom of God in the earth, or I should say on the earth, in us. That's what he did. He reestablished that. So when you get born again, you now have the same authority that Adam had before they abdicated that, that authority. The Bible tells us in Colossians 1 and 13, it says, Jesus has rescued us completely. Somebody ought to give God some praise for that. Jesus has rescued us completely from the totalitarian rule of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son he rescued us completely that means thoroughly and so anytime I find myself behaving unlike the kingdom I don't I realize it's not because I haven't been rescued it's because I haven't been renewed and there's a difference there's a difference and, and I was watching something this week and it really it really brought the point home. It was a terrible story about a young lady who had, uh, who had been abducted um, and her captors uh, had, 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 had pushed her into sex trafficking. Uh, and she spent, I think, five years being shuffled from state to state, being abused and all these kind of things. And praise God, she was finally rescued. But once she was rescued and she was back home, she still had all the trauma and all the damage from what had happened for five years ago. She had been rescued completely, but she had not been renewed from all the things that had happened. And the same thing is true with us. That's why we don't give up on the people who who, we don't give up on Jesus when he rescues us. Yes, we still have some traumas. Yes, we still have some things. Some of it not of our own doing, but some of it was because we were disobedient. God said, don't do it. And we went out there and did it anyway. And we suffered trauma for it. But now God has rescued us completely. He has rescued us completely from the totalitarian rule of darkness, a total rule of darkness was over our lives. And now he's translated us. He's taken us from the kingdom realm of darkness into the kingdom realm of his dear son. In other words, Jesus' death paid the penalty for all of our sins and it allowed Holy Spirit to be able to dwell inside of us once again. Can you imagine how difficult it would be to navigate this world without Holy Spirit? I mean, I I don't know about you, but I tried it before (laughs) and it doesn't work out well, it doesn't end well. You need Holy Spirit in your life. And the Bible tells us in reality that only those that are born of both water, that's a physical birth, and those who are then also born of the spirit, that's via the Holy Spirit, can have access into the kingdom of God and operate in kingdom authority. Somebody type this in the comment section. Say, I operate in kingdom authority. I operate in kingdom authority. That's right. I operate in kingdom authority. Why do I operate in kingdom authority? Because it gives me access to not be limited to just this realm. If you don't operate in kingdom authority, you are limited to what goes on in just this realm. Now, after you get born again, there's really a 1A. (laughs) One is you must be born again. 1A, you must be filled with the spirit of God so that you can be taught the ways of the kingdom. The ways of the kingdom uh, are, are in direct opposite of what happens with the world. Uh, we we know that the, the, in the world's way of doing things, you gotta look out for yourself. In the world's way of doing things, you gotta do what's best for you. In the world's way of doing things, you gotta not consider other people's feelings and all of these other kind of things. But in the kingdom, it doesn't work that way. So we must be filled with the spirit of God so that we can be taught the ways of the kingdom. Now, people talk about what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit of God? Does that mean I have to speak in tongues? That is an indication. I'm not going to take that away. That is an indication. It's not the only indication. If you really want to know whether you got the Spirit of God, you need to understand what the fruit of the Spirit is all about. And if you can operate based on the fruit of the Spirit, because you can't do that based on willpower, but if you're operating the fruit of the Spirit consistently, that's an indication to know that you have asked and invited Holy Spirit into your life and he's been received. The Bible says in Romans 8, chapter 16 and 17, it says we need Holy Spirit because of this. It says the Spirit itself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It says, now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Now, leave that up for just a second. A lot of times people will, Uh, Read this and they go, oh, well, I'm going through I'm suffering uh, for God when he talks about indeed if we share in his sufferings, he's not talking about not having money. He's not talking about not having food. He's not talking about being sick in your body. He's not talking about getting divorced. He's not talking about having your kids strung out on drugs. He's not talking about having bad relationships. He's not talking about being unemployed. He's not talking about all of these bad things. The suffering he means is will we suffer in the same way that he suffered? What do I mean by that? When Jesus went to the cross, it was so painful. He actually sought if there was another way. He actually asked the father. He said, is there any way this bitter cup can be passed from me? But once he understood his assignment, once he knew what the assignment was, he said, no. Okay, then be it unto me. I'm going to the cross to finish this assignment. God is saying to us, if you will suffer, if you will crucify your flesh, if you will do the things I'm asking you to do in order for you to live according to the way I want you to live, then I know it's gonna seem like you're suffering, but you're gonna share in the same glory my son shared in. Just like Jesus suffered and he had to crucify his flesh to finish his assignment, to go to that cross, to die, that he that God might have many more sons. He said, if you'll crucify your flesh and if you'll grow into sonship, then you will actually begin to add more people to the kingdom because you will have a multifaceted impact on everybody around you. And just like Jesus got glory for it, praise God, you will get glory for it. So he says the spirit will testify with our spirit That we are God's children And if we are heirs, then we're joint heirs with Christ And if we will share in his sufferings Praise God If we will crucify this old flesh If we will choose to be born again And choose to be filled with his spirit Then we will glory just as Jesus did Amen So step number one, you got to be born again. Number two, we said that we must develop a hunger for the word or the things of God. You know, whatever God's put in your heart. I'm a firm believer that the number one thing you ought to be hungry for is his word. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy singing. I love it. I can't do it, but I love hearing good singing. I love praying. Uh, There are some people who could pray circles around me and I love to hear them pray. I, 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 I don't mind fasting. I've developed my flesh enough that when God calls me on a fast, I have no bad attitude about the fast. Listen, I love to give. I love to bless people, but I also love surrendering my tithe to the Lord. And I also like sowing my seed to the Lord. But I'm telling you, the number one thing you got to get a hunger for is the word. Everything God says to you in up form, uh, is going to come because of logos You got to understand he's, His written word is the foundation A lot of people are like, I just want to hear God How do you know if it's God or not? If you don't have anything to connect it back to And that's why it's so dangerous to just always want to live by a sign Or live by a wonder I need to know what God's word says God's word connects me with his character It connects me with his character. And so I have to develop a hunger for the word or the things of God. Once you are born again, I say this all the time, we are positionally translated from one kingdom into another. He said that in this other scripture when we read over there in Colossians, he says he's translated us into the kingdom realm of his beloved son. So when we get born again, he positionally translates us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his, your son. But my mind, my mind is still the old way. So I got to flood this mind with something new to get that old out of it. And what do I flood my mind with? The word of God. The Bible says this in Ephesians chapter two, verse one and two, and then Ephesians chapter four, verse four through six. He says, and you hath he quickened who were once dead in trespasses and sins. He says, "Wherein in times past, ye walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the same spirit that is still working in the children of disobedience. Verse four says, but God, but God, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, he still loved us and he quickened us together with Christ It is by grace that we are saved and he has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He says, listen, here's why you ought to want to have a hunger for God. Because even when you were dead in your sins, God was still reconciling you to Christ. Even when you was out there wilding out, when you was doing everything you knew you wasn't supposed to do. Even when you were doing things that that, that were unimaginable, God was still loving on you and still reconciling you back to Christ. So here's the question. How do we develop a hunger for the word of God? Because last week I told you you needed one, but I don't really—I didn't really go into telling you how to develop a hunger. And so someone asked me the question this week and I thought that's a great question. I need to go back and take the time to talk about this. So how do we develop a hunger for the word of God? Let's assume you've been born again. Let's assume you've asked Holy Spirit to come into your life. Now you say, okay, I want the hunger to know more about God. How do I develop it? Number one you got to make sure you are feeding the new appetite that you have. you got to feed the new appetite and you do it naturally. You ever had something you never had before and it's really good. I mean, like really good. Like by the time you finish eating, you thinking about the next time you're going to go back and get some of that again. You ever been to a restaurant and you say, oh, I never had that before. I'll try. It. And it's so good. that that you really are thinking about the next time you're hungry, you're gonna come back and get that same thing again. That's how the word of God needs to be. You have to feed the new appetite. If you are saved, there is some appetite in your heart. You don't even come to Christ unless there's an appetite in your heart. Holy Spirit is prompting you to come. Sometimes you may come because you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of what's out there in the world, but at least it's a hunger for God. You have to feed that appetite. You gotta set aside time to read scripture. You got to set aside time to hear sound biblical teaching. You got to make a deliberate effort to be in church and to hear the preaching of God's word. You have to feed the appetite you do have, or it will go away. It will not grow if you don't feed it. Why? Because you have an anti-appetite. You have something in you that has an appetite for something that's not the word of God. And if you don't feed the appetite that wants God's word, then that anti-appetite is going to be asking to be fed. And then you're going to be filling it with all kinds of foolishness. You're going to be filling it with stuff that doesn't uh, develop you. You're going to be uh, filling it with gossip and filling it with with brainless TV and filling it with with aggravation. And you're not going to spend time with the word and the word is going to fizzle out of your life because you don't uh, cultivate that appetite. So, number two, it's kind of like, number one, you got to feed the appetite, but number two, you got to starve competing appetites. Makes sense to me. If, you're gonna, if, if, if you have two things working inside of you, and both of them need to be fed in order to be strong, then you need to feed your spirit man and starve your carnal man. Just like junk food decreases our appetite for nutritious food, there are many things that we fill our minds and hearts with that decreases our appetite for God's word. Let me say that again. Just like junk food will decrease your appetite for nutritious food. There are many things that we are filling our minds and our hearts with that decrease our appetite for God's word. And here's the thing. They may not all be sinful. They may not all be sinful, but they may divert your attention and even worse, destroy your appetite for God's word. And they may need to go. And sometimes it's not just a thing. Sometimes it may be a people. There may be some people in your life right now who you just simply cannot have an abundance of time with because you're trying to feed your appetite for God. And they are trying to get turned up. They're not where you are. They, they, they keep wanting to. They keep telling you, don't take all that. You ain't got to be that serious. You need to chill out a little bit, man. Everybody's supposed to have fun. You ain't just got to be a holy roller all the time. Well, right now, at this time in your life, it may be what God's calling you to. There are some times in my life where I didn't listen to any secular music because that's what God called me to. There were times in my life I hardly watched any television because that's what God was calling me to because he was feeding something on the inside of me at that time. And if you are not careful, then you fall into the trap of allowing something or someone to come and to uh, feed a part of you that you're supposed to be starving. Competing appetites can include excessive amounts of time on social media. It can include watching large amounts of mindless TV. It can, it can also include this thing that's not sinful, but people get into, which I call a level of busyness. You can get so busy. And, I, and here's what I mean. Hear me out. You can go so busy trying to do good stuff. You're so busy trying to help sister so and so. You're so busy trying to help your family do this. You're so busy trying to do this. You're so busy trying. And you stay so busy, and 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 you're busy, but you're not paying attention to the needful thing. Think about it. That's what happened with Mary and Martha. You got one of them who's sitting at Jesus's feet trying to learn, and the other one in there cooking and cleaning. And the other one gets upset and says, do "You see her? She's just sitting there. She's not helping do anything." And he says, but she's paying attention to the needful thing. She's getting the word while you're being busy. And that's what some of you are doing. You're substituting opportunities to get close to God with busyness. And when you substitute opportunities to get close to God with busyness, you miss out on opportunities to feed your new appetite and to starve your old. So you got to feed your new appetite. You gotta starve competing appetites. And the third thing you need to do if you're gonna develop a hunger for the word of God is you gotta practice spiritual discipline. You gotta you gotta become a spiritually disciplined person. I know people get tired of hearing me talk about it, but there's nothing worse than a, nothing worse than an undisciplined individual. Listen, nobody wants undisciplined kids. You don't want undisciplined kids. And when I say undisciplined, I mean you don't want unruly kids. You don't want kids you have to repeat yourself to a thousand times. Nobody likes undisciplinedness in their vicinity. They just don't. So hear it. So so sometimes you have you have a hunger, and sometimes we don't. But here's what spiritual discipline does. Spiritual discipline says, even when I don't want to read my word, guess what I'm gonna do? Read my word. Spiritual discipline says, even when I don't feel like getting on praise and worship, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to get on praise and worship because that's what I do at 930. Listen, I just got home from work and I had a long day. I sure don't want to hear no refreshed Bible study. But you know what I'm going to do? Get on refreshed Bible study. It's 630 in the morning. I could really use this extra hour of sleep. I'll just I, I just catch the replay. Nope, I'm going to get up and get on live because pastor asked us to be on there live if we could. If there was any way we could, so I'm going to get up and do it. Spiritual discipline will cause you to live a life above average. And the reason a lot of people live average is because they have zero discipline. Your body tells you what to do. You're, you, you, you don't live by what God tells you to do. You live by your feelings. That's the reason earlier in the, in the year, I told you there are four things that you need to do if you're gonna be a disciplined person. Some of y'all probably remember this. I said, you gotta do what? I said, you gotta tame, number one, your team. You need to have the right people around you. If you got folk around you who are not trying to help you feed your right appetite, that's the wrong team. They, they, I'm not saying they're bad people. But they, they can't start right now. They got to be on the bench. You need to tame your team. And then you need to do what? You need to tame your temperament or tame your heart. You literally need to tame your heart, what goes in it and what comes out of it. And then you need to do what? You need to tame your tongue. Watch what you say. You may not feel like being on church service. You may not feel like being on Bible study. You might not like feel being on prayer, but have enough sense not to say it. Have enough sense that even if it comes up, you don't say it. Tame that tongue. Don't let that become your lifestyle. And it all starts right here by doing what? Taming your thoughts. If you tame what you think, you'll tame what you say. If you tame what you think, you attain what's in your heart. If you tame what's in your thought, you attain what's on your team. And if you tame those four things, you can develop spiritual discipline. Practicing spiritual discipline helps you in a place for that hunger to return. I can't tell you the number of times as a pastor, I did not feel like going to church. So I said, wait, what do you mean? You think that every pastor in America, every single time feels like getting up and going to church. No, we get tired and weary just like everybody else. You think Chris ain't thought about nothing else but all week getting up singing to you on Sunday? No, she would probably sometimes rather be at brunch with her husband or on the beach somewhere just relaxing. But she's got an assignment. And so she practices spiritual discipline so she can do it. It's like eating nutritious food even when you don't feel like it. When you when, when you you're like, hey, okay, I need to lose 10 pounds. In order to lose 10 pounds, I, I, I need to eat better. Well, you don't feel like it. That snicker bar looks a lot better than that salad. I know it does. That peach cobbler is freshly baked and it's got that lettuce crust on the top of it. That's far better than Brussels sprouts. I know it is. But you know what? If you want to lose the 10 pounds, you have to discipline yourself and you have to eat the Brussels sprouts instead of the peach cobbler. Listen, don't discount the benefits of developing a daily discipline. Listen, we're disciplined about other things in our life. At least I hope we are. You wash your face every day. You brush your teeth a couple times a day. You know, you shower daily. Every other day, I hope. I mean, you you got some disciplines in your life already. And if you let those disciplines go, it diminishes the quality of your life. And so I'm saying to you, you got to practice spiritual discipline. And then the last thing you must do if you want to develop this hunger is that you have to apply the truths that you have learned. You must apply them. I can't tell you how many people can quote scriptures. I can't tell you how many people can tell you what it means in the Greek, what it means in the Hebrew. They can tell you all the culture. They can tell you all of the religious reasons why something happened. Baby, my question is, do you do anything with it? Do you, do, do you apply it to your life? I, 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 know, I, I know that you know what Revelation says about the seven seals, but can you practice love? How, can you do that part? Can, can you walk out anything practical for your own life? you have to be able to apply the truths that you have learned. Hearing without doing is both discouraging and inoculating. It is both discouraging and inoculating. If you only hear, and that's why people get frustrated with church because they come to church and they learn a lot of stuff because they've been used to learning. They're good students, they can learn a bunch of stuff, but you can't do nothing with it. There's nothing more frustrating. And I know because I've been there before. Go, you Especially with math You go into a math class The teacher will show you how to work nine problems And you can work all nine of them problems With no problem I mean no problem at all They give you a test And they change up one or two things in that problem It throws you totally off you like, this, she ain't never taught me how to do this Yes, she did But you didn't learn it What you did is just memorize what you saw, but you never learned to actually apply it. And that's why when something changed, you can't apply it to your life. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. God is trying to give you concepts and precepts. You're memorizing scripture and you're not applying it. And so when something happens that's outside the context in which you memorized it, now you can't apply it and now you can't be successful. You gotta apply those truths that you have learned. On the other hand, applying the truth that we get from God's word, it makes changes that work toward conforming us into the image of Christ. If I learn about tithing, I got to tithe for it to work. If I learn about about loving someone, I got to love them for it to work. If I learn about faith, I got to apply it in order for my faith to work. And so those are the four things that you need to do if you're going to develop a hunger for God. You got to feed the new appetite that you have. You got to starve competing appetites. You got to practice spiritual discipline and then apply apply the truths that you have learned. Then we said the third process, because remember, we're growing and becoming. We're growing and becoming. The third thing we must do is we must submit to training. We must submit to training. We say we got to be born again. That's one. One A is we got to be filled with the spirit. Number two, we said we gotta develop a hunger for the things of God. And I gave you the four things you need to do to develop that hunger. This is number three, we must submit to training. We must submit to training. As I said last week, without proper training, we are prone to embarrass the family name. (laughs) Without the proper training, we are prone to embarrass the family name. And in doing so, we also neglect the raw privileges of our new family status. We are in the new family, but our ignorance limits our freedoms in the family. We are in the new family, but our ignorance limits our freedom in the family. This is a prime example when you talk about the royal family. When you have somebody who marries into the royal family, They don't understand all the nuances of the family. And so until they do, it limits their freedom or they end up doing things that embarrasses them or the family. That is the reason you got to develop this hunger for God's word so that you can submit yourself to training so you don't spend your life embarrassing yourself or the kingdom of God. Because you are in a new family, but your ignorance of how to operate in the new family is limiting your freedoms. When you don't know how the family works, you are restricted to operate under the guidance of tutors until we are grown enough, until we develop enough to the point where we can represent the family wholeheartedly. In essence, we have a king for a father, but until we have been trained, we are still ignorant of the king's culture. We are still ignorant of the king's customs. We are still ignorant of his courtesies and we are still ignorant of his mannerisms. And as long as you are ignorant, and that word ignorant doesn't mean dumb, it means to be unlearned. As long as you are unlearned about the things that God would have you to know, then you are never able to operate in the freedoms that he would have for you. Training requires both receiving and applying the instructions that you have given. We said this last week, you cannot, you cannot grow without change. Go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I cannot grow without change. I cannot grow without change. And we won't read it all, but Hebrews five twelve 12 through uh, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12 through Hebrews 6, verse 2 explains all of this. And in essence, what it basically says is that, look, you have to understand that there's a time in our life where we receive milk. But there's another time in our life where we progress from milk to, to solid food. He says you shouldn't still be needing milk at a time where you're supposed to be eating solid food. He said there's a time where you ought to be helping those who are on milk rather than needing milk yourself. And so I encourage us as I, as we matriculate into sonship, as we Take this journey and this process into sonship that we do so, understanding that we shouldn't always have to be revisiting what the Bible calls the elementary things. We shouldn't always need someone telling us we ain't got to cuss everybody out. We all not always need somebody telling us that we ought to pray. We don't need someone to always tell us that we ought to be operating and walking in love. Those are elementary things. He said, Let's get on to some other things. And he uses this example. He says, Like raising people from the dead. He said, let's talk about some some real stuff like like, like healing cancer. Let's talk about some real stuff like getting people up off their COVID bed. He said, let's let's talk about some real stuff, not this stuff about not gossiping, not, not this elementary stuff that we shouldn't have to keep repeating over and over again. And then the Bible tells us in Romans chapter eight, verse five through eight, it says, they that are after the spirit, what do they do? They do mind the things of the flesh. They, It says they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, what do they do? They mind the things of the spirit. He says, for to be carnally minded is death. To be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is where we get life and peace. We get the word shalom, nothing missing and nothing broken. He says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. It says, so then they that are in the flesh, they can do what? They cannot please God. This is the reason we must submit to training, because as long as we remain in our flesh, read read what it says on the screen. So they that are in the flesh, what? cannot please God. So you cannot be a pleasure to God and you cannot receive the pleasures of God if you have not submitted to training and allow Holy Spirit to train you in the things of God so that you spend your time operating in the spirit rather than in the flesh. The Bible says in Philippians chapter two, verse five, it says, let this mind be in you. Which was also in Christ Jesus Who being in the form of God Thought it not robbery To be considered equal with God But he made himself of no reputation And took up on him the form of a servant And was made into the likeness of men And being found in fashion as a man He again humbled himself And became obedient unto death Even the death of the cross Why is that important? Because if you're going to submit to training You got to be humble You got to be humble You, you, You can't always assume you know it all And just because you heard something one way doesn't mean that you heard it the right way. I tell all the time, I am open for revision. I tell Holy Spirit, I'm open for revision. Somebody go ahead and type that in the comment section. Say, I am open for revision. Because here's what happens. You may have learned something 10 years ago and the person who taught it to you may have been very sincere in the way they taught it to you. But then Holy Spirit comes and say, okay, now you've got more revelation. Now I can explain some things to you. What you understood about that is not the way you should understand it. You got to be open for revision from Holy Spirit. That's why we're always growing and becoming. We are always growing and becoming. Holy Spirit, I am open to revision. I am not in a fixed mindset. If I believe something yesterday and you show me something new today, God, I am open For revision. I want my mind being renewed day by day. Show me something new. Amen. And so, this is an important question. Part of submitting to training is the process of renewing our mind. If I'm going to submit to training, if I'm telling the Lord I'm open for revision, then it's important that I understand what the process is for renewing my mind so I don't fight against God when the renewing process takes place. I don't wanna fight God when the renewing process takes place. So what does renewing our mind mean? To renew means to replace. So renewing your mind means replacing the old way of thinking with a new way of thinking. So when you hear renew your mind by the washing of the word, or you hear renew your mind with the word of God, all it means is replacing your old way of thinking with what the word of God says. Renewing your mind is just saying, I'm replacing every thought I have that doesn't line up with the word of God. If it's something that I have in my thinker and it doesn't align with the word of God, it is a candidate for eviction. That's what I say. Everything in my, I don't care. I don't care where I got it from. I don't care who taught it to me. I don't care how I arrived at the conclusion. If it does not line up with the word of God, if it does not line up with what Holy Spirit is saying to me, it becomes a candidate for eviction because I don't want anything in my life other than what God has said, other than what God has said. So that's what the Bible tells us is so important in Proverbs 23 and 7. It says, as a man thinketh within himself, so is he. So whatever I spend my most dominant time thinking about, that's who I'm going to become. Which is, which is wonderful because I get to choose who I become. I get to choose who I become by what I spend my time with, by what I renew my mind with. If I renew my mind with the word of God, all that's gonna come out of me is the word of God. But if I pursue in those things that are unbiblical, if I pursue those things that are anti-Christ, if I pursue those things that go against God's word, then I have to understand that when pressure comes, the only thing that's gonna come out of me is what I've been putting into me. And then whatever comes out of me is going to be what gets produced in my life. It's why the Bible presses us in Romans 12 and 2, when he says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, it says fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. It says, but be transformed to be changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude, so that you may prove, I love this, for yourselves What it is good and acceptable in the perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. He says, you got to prove that out for yourself. That's the reason that you need to renew your mind so that you can prove out what's good. I have proved out what's good where tithing is concerned. I have proved out what is good where giving is concerned. I have proved out in my own life what believing for healing is. I have proved it out. I said this before. If you get my old Thompson Chain reference, I had it here yesterday. If you get my old Thompson Chain reference, you'll find so many scriptures yet TNT written beside it. Why? Because it says tried and true, tried and true. I have tried God on some things and he has been true to his word. So now those things are solidified for me. You can't talk me out of them. God doesn't want us to think like the world thinks. His word is life and his word is health. It is full of promises. It's full of abundance. It's full of healing and it's full of deliverance. And this is the life that he wants for us. And this is the life he's promised to us. If you look at Jeremiah 29 and 11, he declared it before we were ever born. In this world, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. They are plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. God has great things in store for those who will go through the process of renewing their mind. I like what the voice translation says, because the voice translation says the same thing. But at the end of the voice translation, he adds this at the end. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the eternal uh, plans for peace. He says, not of evil. He says to give you a future and a hope. But I like what comes after that da- after the dash and to never forget that. He says, don't you ever forget it. He says, I come. He says, I have the I know the plans that I have for you, says God. He says there are plans for peace. There are plans that are not evil. They are to give you a future and a hope. He says, and don't you ever forget it. Don't you ever forget it. In other words, no matter what's going on in your life, don't you forget what I said I had plans for. I know what the doctor's report says, but don't you forget what I said. I know what your money situation looks like right now, but don't you forget what I said. I know how much money they said it's gonna take to go back to school, but don't you forget what I have said. I know what the doctor told you about your children, but don't you forget what I have said. Listen, all the experts told us Jordan wouldn't talk. We just had to accept it. That it was just going to be that way. They had seen it before. It's how the diagnosis came across. But we remembered. He said, don't you ever forget what I said. I have plans for you. They are not evil. I didn't give you a child who couldn't talk. I didn't give you a child who couldn't go to school. I didn't give you a child who wouldn't learn. But stand on my word. Stand on my word and never forget. That's right, April, I won't forget. Somebody ought to type that in the comment section. I won't forget. I won't forget. What won't I forget? I won't forget those dreams that he's promised me. I won't forget the thing that I thought wasn't going to come to pass because it seemed like it was taking so long. I will not forget. Glory to God. So let me go through this real quick. Here's the steps to renewing your mind. Number one, you got to study and apply the word of God. It kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. You got to study and apply the word of God. Joshua 1 and 8 says it like this. It says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then, then when? When you have observed to do all that is written therein, when you have observed to study and apply the word of God. He says, for then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will make your way. Then you, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. He didn't say sit around and wait on God to do it. He says, I've given you the tools to do it. Study my word, apply it to your life. He says, and then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Number two, how do you renew your mind? You got to control your thoughts. You got to control your thoughts. Someone said, well, pastor, I can't control my thoughts. Yes, you may not be able to control every thought that comes, but you can control every thought you meditate on. You got to control your thought. Second Corinthians 10 and 5 says, how do we do that? By casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And we bring into captivity every thought to the, to the obedience of Christ. So everything I'm thinking that doesn't line up with God, I, again, it becomes a candidate for eviction. It becomes a candidate for eviction. Somebody says something to me I don't like, I'm gonna match that energy. That, that doesn't go along with what God says. So it's a candidate for eviction. It's a candidate for eviction. Somebody flipped me off while I'm driving on the road, I cussed them out. Nope, that goes on. That goes against what the word of God says to do and to behave, so it becomes a candidate for eviction. I cast down every imagination and every high thing that tries to exalt itself, place itself above the knowledge of God. But I can't do that if I don't do number one, if I don't know the knowledge of God. That's why I got to study so I got to apply so I know what the knowledge of God is so I can then bring that thing into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So number one, I got to study and apply the word of God. Number two, I got to control my thoughts. Number three, if I'm going to renew my mind, I got to watch what I am feeding my mind. We talked about that earlier, earlier about feeding the new appetite and starving the old. The Bible, We read this earlier, Romans 8, 5, and 6. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. It's very simple. Whatever you focus on is what you're going to become. So if you want to renew your mind, then you got to watch what you are feeding it. We talked a little bit about this last week and we won't get into a lot of this, but Romans chapter seven is such a picture of this renewing the mind process. In Romans chapter seven, it talks about the fact that sin has built a base of operation within us. Sin is always trying to build a base of operation. It's always looking for a a place that it can operate from. And that's why you have to be careful. And and you can't be like, well, I'm a tither, uh, but I don't forgive. Because if you don't forgive, that's a place where sin can set up a base of operation. And then it doesn't matter that you tie, because sin is not going to be interested in staying in one place. It's going to set up a base, and then it wants to operate in every area of your life. In fact, when you begin to look at Romans chapter 7, and you look at verse 18, he actually says this. He says, for I know, this is the Apostle Paul, he says, for I know that nothing good lives uh, within my flesh of my fallen humanity. But then in verse 17, he says this, he says, and I now realize that it's no longer my true self-doing, but the unwelcome intruder of sin in my humanity. There's an unwelcome intruder living on the inside of us. And if we're not crucifying that Joker every day, he's trying to set up a base of operation. And then if you continue to read that and you I jump around in Romans 7 a little bit but then you look at verse 14 verse 14 is very good it says a human being I am a human being made of flesh he says and I'm being trafficked as a slave under sin's authority if you don't renew your mind that's exactly what happens to you you can be you can have a regenerated spirit hear me because man is tripartite being you can have a regenerated spirit a spirit that is perfectly Um, uh, Encapsulated into the spirit of God But still have your flesh nature Who's out there being sold for sin If you don't renew your mind Your mind will have you doing so many things That are so contrary to who you really are And that's why the apostle Paul talks about Learning your true identity Learning who you are Because when you are true When you really know who you are You know what things belong to you like, the truth of the matter is, a lot of us in, in, who are watching this broadcast right now, we would love to say, yep, I'm part of the Walton family. Give me my billions. But you know you know that's not your real reality. You you know you're not part of the Walton family. And you know good and well you can't go up there talking about you want your billions of dollars in stock because you're part of the family. Why? Because you know your real identity. You know that's not who you are from. So when you know your real identity, if you know what you can't have, you also know what you won't accept. So if I'm a true child of God, I'm not accepting no junk. I'm not accepting sickness. It's not a part of my lineage. I'm not accepting disease. I'm not accepting lack. I'm not accepting inferiority. Why? Because it's not who I am. It's not who I am. I know my real identity. And I know that because of my true identity, I must crucify this part of me that's always trying to set up a base of operation within my life. All right? And then the final thing, I'm going to finish up here. Number one, we said you must be born again, okay? 1A, we said you gotta be filled with the spirit of God. Number two, we said that you must develop a hunger for the word or the things of God. And then number three, we said that you must submit to training. You must submit to training. And part of submitting to training is allowing your mind to be renewed. And then lastly, the last thing that you must do on your journey, on your journey to sonship, it can't just be knowing all this information. You got to prove some things out. What must you do? You must be ready. You must be receptive and you must be responsive to the call of God. When the Apostle Paul was on his second missionary journey, after he had already been to many other places, preaching and teaching about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the book of Acts, the 17th chapter, that he came across a group of believers who put a demand on his anointing. He had been preaching to all of these people, but he takes the time to write about these particular people called the Bereans. These people, according to Acts chapter 17, were a group of people. And the Bible tells us that they were so ready to receive from the apostle Paul that when he came to preach to them, that he was sharing with them the gospel and they had this spirit of expectancy that he had never seen anywhere else. The question becomes how receptive are you to learning more about God? How open are you? Nobody can breed your hunger, but you. Nobody can make you hungry, but you. Nobody can, can cause you to want the things of God more than you, than you, you have to have that desire. The Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says, now these Jews were better disposed and more noble than those in Thessalonica. It says, for they were entirely ready. Notice that they were entirely ready. And accepted and welcomed the message. What message? The one concerning the attainment through Christ of eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. It says they were, they were, they were accepting and welcoming with inclination of mind and eagerness, searching and examining the scriptures when? Daily. Daily. To see if these things were so. They heard this teaching and they couldn't get enough of it. I'm wanting a group of people who say, you know what? I hear God's word. I can't get enough of it. I can't get enough of it. I'm, I'm insatiable about God's word. I want more and more of what he has. I want more and more of what God has because having more and more of what God has brings me closer and closer to this place of sonship. When we talk about being receptive, when we talk about being ready, when we talk about being responsive to the things of God, here's all I'm saying. Sons of God come ready for a word from God. Sons of God come ready for a word from God. They are then receptive to the move of God, and then they are responsive to what it is that God is saying? You want to know whether or not you're operating in sonship. Or are you always ready for a word, or are there times in your life you don't want to hear what God got to say about it you? Just gonna do what you're gonna do, because that's what children do. Children, children know when, when children get an attitude, they don't want to hear what their mama did. They got to say about nothing. If mama didn't ain't agreeing with me, I don't want to hear. It. And in fact, I know mama didn't ain't gonna agree, so I'm just gonna do it anyway. I'm just gonna do my own thing. But sons don't want to do anything without hearing what the father says. Jesus demonstrated that. He says, I can only do what the father has told me to do. I can only say what the father has told me to say. Sons of God come ready for a word from God. And then they are receptive to the move of God. The Bible says we must be willing and obedient, willing and obedient. Notice he didn't say you gotta be obedient and willing. He says, you gotta be willing first, then become obedient. I got I to gotta want to know what God says, but before God's ever said it, I got to be willing in my heart to move in whichever direction he says. He says, so I got to be, a son has to be ready for God's word. And then he's also receptive to that move of whatever God's going to say. And then whatever God says, even if it goes against what he had planned to do, a true son is responsive to doing what the father has said and not his own agenda. He's not concerned about his own agenda, his own reputation. A true son is able to humble himself enough to do what the father says. One time, Fred Price gave an example of this, and I'll never forget it. There was a man of God who was serving Fred Price as one of his associate pastors. And and Fred Price had told the man that he knew God told him to go out into ministry. And it was like five years later, the man went to Pastor Price and said, I believe this is the time. Pastor Price went back and prayed about it. He came back and he said, I don't think this is the time. Because that man was a son of God, he did not strike out. He waited another five years. And five years later, the man went back. It's been 10 years to to Apostle Fred Price. And he says, I think it's time for me to go out now. Will you pray about it? Apostle Fred Price prayed about it and said, I don't think it's the time. I don't think it's the time. The man was wanting to be in ministry. He wanted to be a pastor, but he submitted himself to the person whom God called him to, to the person he said was his father. And he waited another five years. On the 15th anniversary of that man waiting, Apostle Frederick Casey Price blessed him and said, I believe this is the time you're supposed to go out and you're supposed to establish your ministry. And in 15 years, he served Pastor Price with a gladful heart, and the day he opened his ministry, 3,000 members joined his church. 3,000 people joined his church. Somebody said, Well, he could have had them 3,000 people 15 years ago, he'd have flopped if he'd have left before then. He'd have absolutely fell on his face. But because he understood the father son relationship, and because he knew that his father in the ministry only wanted what was best for him, even when his own desire was to go out and do a thing that he knew God had called him to do. He humbled himself and he waited until the appropriate time to his father blessed him. And that's what sonship looks like. That is what son- you don't know sonship until it's tested. You don't know that you are son of God until God tell you you ain't supposed to be with that person. But you don't already allowed your emotions to get caught up. You don't know what sonship is until you saved up for that vacation and God tells you to sow that seed into somebody's life to help pay their rent. You don't know what sonship is like. You don't know what sonship is like until you have to be tested when God tells you to don't say anything when somebody is slandering your name. And God says, you keep your mouth closed. I'm going to fight this battle for you. And it seems like it's getting worse before it ever gets better. You don't know sonship until you have learned to shut your mouth because the father said be quiet. That's what sonship is like. That's what sonship is about. That's how you know you are a child of God. That's how you know you can submit to spiritual authority. You're never going to submit to God if you won't even submit to the person, to the earthly person God's called you into relationship with. And we can do a whole teaching on sonship about what it means to have a relationship with your earthly spiritual mother or father. And people can say what they want to. And yes, people have abused that relationship, but because somebody abused, it doesn't make it wrong. Doctors have abused patients, but if you get sick, you're going to the doctor. Teachers have abused students, but you still send your kids to school. One person doing something wrong doesn't invalidate an entire process or framework. Renew your mind. Renew your mind. Understand, sons have their character formed and forged to the image of God through daily habits of obedience. Let me say that again. Sons have their character. And we said sons ain't about gender, it's about position. Whether you're a man or a woman, if you are a son of God, you have your character formed and forged to the image of God through the daily habit of obedience. You got to learn to be willing and obedient. Sons find themselves simply living a life that is pleasing to the father in every area of their life. Sons do not view doing what the father has instructed as a task but rather they view it as enjoyment. Righteous Righteousness doesn't become a struggle for children of God. It's simply a way of life. It's simply a way of life. Children know how to look like Christians. Sons know how to live it. If you're just a basic child of God, you might look like you are a, a, a Christian because that word means to be Christ-like. But sons are like Christ. They are like, right? sons act like their daddy wherever they go. Sons act like their daddy wherever they go. Whether they're at the grocery store, whether they're at the ball game. That's why when people used to ask us, they don't really do it anymore because I guess we answered enough, but Pastor Son and I like going to Vegas. We say, y'all go to Vegas? Y'all go to Sin City? Baby, you can sin in Camden. You can sin in desert. You, you can sin in wind. You can sin in lake village. You understand what I'm saying to you? Sin ain't about a place. You can get as much sin in the smallest town in America as you can anywhere else. But sons act like God wherever they go. So whether I'm in Vegas, whether I'm in LA, whether I'm in New York or Miami with the boys, listen, with I'm I'm a child of God. I'm hearing God wherever I am. Why? Because if you renew your mind, everywhere you go, your mind goes. (laughs) And so you are are a child. You are not a child, but a son of God regardless of the situation. I'm not converting back based on who my company is. And if I am, I need to tame my team. And so those are the things you need to do. Number one, you got to be born again. 1A, you got to be filled with the Spirit of God. Got to. it's important. You gotta be filled with the spirit of God. You gotta be able to hear God. That's why Pastor John, when you come to us, somebody came to me this week asking me some major question. I was like, what did God say? They said, well, I just wanted you to tell me what to do. No, sir, no, ma'am. What did God say? And then number two, you gotta develop that hunger. You gotta develop a hunger for the word, for the things of God. Listen, go ahead and type this in the comment section. Say, I love what God loves. I love what God loves. I love whatever God loves, I love it. And so I'm developing a hunger for the things of God. And number three, I'm willing to submit myself to training. I am willing to submit myself to training. And part of that is renewing my mind. So all those steps we talked about renewing your mind, I'm willing to engage in the process because I know that at the end of the day, I'm going to be better. If you want muscles, you got to lift the weights. You, you're just not going to get buff just sitting there. It's just not going to work. You're not, you, they, they, they need some stress and tension and some pressure if you're going to develop some, some muscles. And then number four, I got to be uh, receptive. I got to be responsive and I got to be ready for the word of God. I got to be ready to, to move when the father says move. If you will practice those things on a consistent basis, and some days you may not do so great. Other days you may be better. Don't beat yourself up, but get back on path. Practice these things. I I, got, I, I, I gave my life to Christ uh, in September of 1986 And since that time, I've made so many mistakes in between. But you know what? Every day, God's teaching me better and better and better. I'm better today than I was in 86. When I say better, I mean I'm more more mature than I was in the things of God from from 1986. Why? Because every day, God is growing me up. He's growing me up. That's why we said earlier, I am growing and becoming. I am growing and becoming, and I am open to revision. I am growing and I'm becoming and I'm open to revision. I'm growing, and I'm becoming, and I am open to revision. And if you will do that, I can promise you, I can promise you that you will begin to love what God loves. You'll begin to fall in love with the things of God. You'll begin to fall in love with everything that God has for you. That You know, Chris, as, as she finished her, her praise and worship, um, This morning, she started singing that song. She said, I want to be tried by fire. I want to be tried by fire. God, I want to be tried by fire. Why? Not because you're going to kill me, but you're going to consume everything that's not like you. Everything that's not like you, God, I want you to burn it up. I call it ashes in the name of Jesus. And then everything that's like you, when you try by fire, it just gets refined. It just gets better and better. It gets refined. Refine me, God. Refine me on my sonship journey. Refine me, God. Try me by fire. Burn up everything that's not like you. Give me, burn up that old appetite so that my new appetite screams for more. Do that for me, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'm going to be spiritually disciplined. I'm going to dedicate a part of my day. I'm going to carve it out and I'm going to be disciplined to it and I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to spend time in your word. I'm going to spend time just 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 hearing what Holy Spirit has to say about me and my life. And if you do those things, I'm telling you, that's right, St. Tricia. I'm telling you, you'll be growing and becoming and you'll be open to revision, amen? Listen, I love you guys. I hope you have a great Sunday. I've got to go. I got the wonderful opportunity uh, to be a part of marrying this couple this afternoon. Uh, They both love God. They're joining their lives together. So I'm going to go and get ready to do that. But I encourage you. Listen, sometime this week, listen to this replay. Go grab a refresh and listen to it. Go, go back and subscribe to the podcast and listen to something else. If it's an area in your life and you say, I don't have a good understanding of it, we've probably taught over, over the last 20 years. <laughs> There's probably a teaching on it somewhere. Ralph and I was talking about that one day. If you got a question, it's probably a teaching on it somewhere. Uh, it may be on cassette tape, <laughs> but it's probably a teaching on it somewhere. It may be on a DVD, uh, but we got, we got some teaching for it. In fact, I actually sent someone uh, a couple of cassette tapes uh, because they wanted this particular teaching, and I said it was only on cassette tapes downstairs in in my garage. And they said, well, I got an old cassette player. I said, well, listen, I'll send it to you because we got cassette tapes from back in the day. It's got some anointing on them. Amen. And so listen, if you get hungry, I think Pastor Ralph said this the other day, and I think I heard Pastor and Chris said within the last week, if you get hungry for God, you will be fed. If you get hungry for God, you will be fed. Listen, I'm about to go. One last thing make sure that you reach out to Pastor Nitra and just tell her how much you appreciate her. It is pastors and clergy and avert, uh celebration uh, month. Uh, and I want you to make sure that you are blessing her. I don't know if they got a chance to put it up there, but if not, her cash app is dollar sign to Nitra. There it is. It's screaming across the screen dollar sign to Nitra Buffett. Too. Listen, be a blessing to her. She's a blessing to us. We couldn't do what we do without her, uh, and, and, and the, prayer, the prayer team couldn't do what they do without her, and our children's ministry couldn't do it either, and so we just love her. We appreciate her, and if you didn't get to bless Pastor Chris, it ain't too late. You can be a blessing to her, too. We just love everybody who serves with us at Fellowship of Champions, and we want to honor them in this month. God bless you all. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Again, i will put the link up for giving, uh, and if you want to give, you can do that through Gimify, Pushpay, Tithely or uh, PayPal. Honor God with your tithe. Sow your seed. Be blessed. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.